everybody welcome to the 145th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here in uh uh beaverton oregon kind of bummed but i felt like you know we probably should address you know the major things that have happened in the basketball world namely nba 2k taking out shoving in uh my park no really it's use of nurse kids getting hurt i was trying to put some comedy into it man like that shit was a bummer. Oh, absolutely. I was at the game with Olga. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so I've actually been, you know, I've either been a full season tickets holder, worked for the team, quarter or half season tickets. So, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in the gym more times than not. And unfortunately, was there when Odin tore the patella in the winter of 09. Wes went down about this time four years ago and then obviously Nurk last night and what was interesting is each had its own narrative and feel Odin had already tore his ACL he was playing the best ball of his career and at that time was still viewed as that franchise changing center so there was so much optimism with that rise with us team as soon as I saw him go down, I knew the franchise had altered. Mm. I knew that that big three would never amount to what their potential could be. And it was time to pivot in and change gears. I remember just sitting there with hands in my face the rest of the game. Brandon eventually ended up hitting a game winner and I barely cheered. I was like, whatever, like the season to me not only was over, but the franchise took multiple steps back. You know, you fast forward six years when it happened to Wesley Matthews, and obviously I didn't see the replay when it when it aired. And when you saw the replay, you could tell his Achilles just, just popped. He had injured himself pretty badly a few games before and then just suddenly emerged out of the tunnel because he was Iron Man, and you had that mystique about him and you just knew he was going to return nothing was going to keep him off the floor so when that happened i still had a little bit of hope that we were going to see wesley in the second half to just come back and and torch the mavericks unfortunately that didn't happen and that really derailed that group of of blazers as well and then last night i didn't even see it happen live i just saw him on the ground i was like okay come on big man get up like make your free throws we really need these and then I saw the Nets players just sprint away, and I was like, fuck. I, I knew it immediately. Olga's like, what's wrong? It's like, I don't know, but it's bad, and a season is probably over. Obviously, we've all seen it by now and heard the news. Broke the tibia and fibula in his – was his left leg? I dog, dude. I, 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 I didn't see the actual injury. I saw him spaz out on the floor, and I was like, okay, all right. I'm not going to watch any more of this shit. <laughs> Like, I, I've tried to stay away from every Nurkic video or any of that shit. Like, I, like, I've been trying to stay away from that shit. Like, it was, like, it's the plague. Just because I saw the way, like, he kind of had a seizure just, like, bucking everybody away from him. And I'm just like, nah, I care about this dude too much to even 
like try and figure out what exactly happened. I'm just gonna let it, let it, let the uh, the people that should know know, and let that knowledge be rained on us. You know, F- fuck looking at that shit. I was kind of in the opposite camp because being there live, they didn't show the replay, which I'm fine with. Uh, there was a lot of show- kids there too. Like you, sh- they shouldn't have shown the replay. Yeah, it didn't need to be seen in the jumbotron. But like, I did want to see the video. I wanted to see what happened and. Honestly, when I saw it, I was like, okay, it looks clean. Like, just don't be any nerve damage, no ligaments. And thankfully, he did go under successful surgery. There was no nerve damage. There was no ligaments. Uh, The closest example or comparison was Paul George in the summer of 2014. The only difference was Paul George had a protruding bone coming out of his actual leg. And we did not see that with Nurkic. And and PG did return the following season. But it it has taken him some time. Yeah, he he only played like limited, limited minutes when he first came back. His stats were were very subpar. Factor in Nurk has about 60 pounds on Paul. You want to give him an extra time. He has dealt with, you know... Leg injuries. In Denver, his season was cut short by another leg injury two years ago during Nurk fever. So I just feel horrible for him first and foremost because the two times he was playing the best ball of his career, he's not going to be able to play in the postseason. Yeah, this was like his ultimate ceiling game too. Like, dude killed it that that night, man. Yeah, like I'm not like 32, 16, what, five assists, four blocks. Uh, nobody was really fucking with him. And then both centers were fouled out. They fouled out both centers, so there was a humongous distinct advantage between Nurk and Jared Dudley or Krukros or uh, Rondé Hollis-Jeff if they tried to dust him off. Like, there was nobody fucking with him. He was, if he's, like, you know, he was at, like, 70 fantasy points. He was gonna get to 90 in that overtime. And... I don't know, man. Like, I saw Boogie get hurt. I've seen, like, I've seen big men get hurt, but this one was just like, most of the other times I'm in, I'm sad for like what possibly could happen to the team. Like, this one I felt sorry for the man. So it was a different feeling when I saw like that injury as opposed to the Boogie one. So it, it, it fucked with my emotions. Like, Throughout that game, I was chilling. Like, I was like, okay, we're probably going to win this. Like, so I was just lounging. And then, like, the fourth quarter came and I was just like, okay, okay, we're, we're, we're putting up. We're, we're doing well. And then when that happened, like, I didn't, I had a real hard time sleeping. So that, that injury was fucking real and it affected, like, this entire community of people. It's interesting how different people process information. The, the same information for me it, it's a little both obviously i'm upset for nurk the person i mean he was just at dame jr's you know first birthday and you know saw him posing with a picture of them like he's been a part of the pixie project playing with puppies and kittens and like he's just a great teammate like everyone loves him like i opened up instagram after the game and my first eight feed posts were all players all current players you know, wishing him well and like having his back. And so the team is definitely more than just a basketball team. You know, they really are a, a family on and off the court. And, you know, that tugged at my heartstrings and I didn't want to see his season end like that. And I want to see this team be able to, to run it back. And as we discussed on last week's episode, this 
team will be the only team, the only time they will all play together, 1 through 15. There are obviously going to be changes coming next season, but I would love to see the majority of the team come back because they were playing so well, and it, it feels like they're not getting their chance at redemption for last year's postseason. And then selfishly, I, I look at the team, and where do we go from now? our chances of getting out of the first round significantly diminish Western conference finals hopes slim to none. And then you look towards the future. If he comes back, when does he come back? How, how long is he out for? At what percentage do we get him back? And when is he finally fully healthy? I mean, we could be looking at 2021 until this, this Bosnian beast. Is that is two years from now? Because, huh? Two years from now? Yeah. Two years. Okay, from- yeah, Cause that's what I was thinking. And then Dame will be, you know, 31. Either sign the contract or not. Yeah, I'm not even worried about the contract. I'm worried about just his prime years. We're, again, not going to get the most out of him because of circumstances out of everyone's hands. And so this potentially, even though Nurkic is only 24 years old, which is fantastic. So I think it gives him a long time to recover. And I think he's going to have a fantastic career down, down the road. But if you're looking at the next 18 months, where does Portland go? So selfishly, that's where I was going to as well. Is like, how does this impact our our future? Like, yeah. is this a franchise altering injury, yep. just like Wesley and just like Greg? Because mm-hmm. if it is, that likely means we're moving Damian Lillard, and I, I don't want to do that. I want to see Dame lead this team which he was doing such an amazing job at. But I also don't want to see him suffer on eighth seed lottery bound teams because his, you know, pick and roll partner is 50% at most next season. If, if playing if playing at, at all. And so it, your mind goes to a lot of different places. And obviously we're all thinking worst case scenario at, at this point. And who knows, maybe he, he returns, he takes his time and, He's there for the playoff push next season. We've seen what Damian Lillard can do with uh, a pretty haphazard roster, as was the case in 2016, leading us to home court advantage in the second round of the playoffs with a ragtag bunch of of people. Um, And if you want to look at the positive side of things, in 2015, it opened the door for Aaron Aflalo to start and C.J. McCollum to get backup minutes. Aflalo goes down, C.J. starts really has the opportunity to shine and is the player that he is now, you know, most improved player, borderline all-star second and third best trailblazer ability to get 40 on any given night. So there is that silver lining that with Nurkic out, this could be Collins Myers, even Scal. Like we just don't know until they get thrown into the fire and whether anyone likes it or not, that is the, that is the situation we're in. And that is what's going to happen starting tomorrow night against Chicago. Let's get into the Nurk future stuff later, like in this episode. What is the big rotation going to be covering that center's position? Because there's still, there's options. There's better options than before the trade deadline. Who do you think starts? Who do you think is the main backup and who is there in the finishing five when uh, we need that win the most? And what you want and what uh, you think will happen. Well, first and foremost, Ennis Cantor choosing Portland over the Lakers looks like a godsend at at the moment. 
what I think and what should happen is he will stay the sixth man off the bench. He is really incredible at dominating backup bigs on the glass, getting points in the paint. And most importantly, he's going up against backups Mm -hmm. on defense. I like that. I would keep him in his role. He is thriving there. Mm -hmm. Again, what I think and what should happen is Myers is going to start. And doesn't mean he's going to finish, but Myers is bulkier than Zach. He is less foul prone than Zach. And at the moment, he is a better floor spacer. And that's really what we need. If we're not going to get a low post presence, we need someone who the defense has to you know, recognize and pay respect to. Otherwise, he'll, he'll hit threes all season long. He's having a career year from behind the arc. And he's already won us a couple of games with his pick and pop ability. He had a really nice game. The one game Nurkic sat out against the Utah Jazz, forcing Rudy Gobert to come out and guard him on the perimeter, which is a very likely first-round matchup. You definitely want Gobert out of the paint. Uh, I believe going into Saturday's game against the Pistons, Zach Collins was just 30 of 11 or 30 of 100 from downtown. Yes, he hit one against uh, Detroit, and I think he hit a couple against Dallas, but Myers is the better shooter. So I start Myers. And I don't give him Nurkic minutes, but he does start. He Maybe he gets the Jake Lehman, Nicholas Batum rookie year treatment, however it may be. I want Zach to be able to watch the game, see how it's being officiated, and then come in as needed. And he's going to play. His role is definitely going to increase. He's going to get much more playing time. And then to me, the finishing five center is going to be dependent upon who's got the hot hand, who's not in foul trouble, who's got the best matchup. And frankly, who gives us the best chance mm. to win the game? I could see that being any of those three guys on any given night. And it's going to be up to Terry to set those expectations. And it's going to be up to players to stay mentally focused, knowing that they're not always going to maybe start or they're not always going to finish. But seeing how Myers and Zach react when they're on the bench, when Ennis came in and took their time, they stayed positive. Myers has been ready. He, I mean, he's had multiple DMPs and then came in and, and hit a lot of big shots for us this season. So, I'm not too concerned there. Obviously, you put all those three together, you get one Yusuf Nurkic. We don't have the big guy, yeah. but we're going to have to make make do with spare parts. And, you know, we really discussed how he might be our most valuable blazer. Well, we're going to have to find out. But if you put my, you know, hand in the air and made me swear – I still would rather we go into the playoffs with a healthy Damian Lillard over any other Blazer. So as long as we have Dame, I still have hope. Did you see him get hobbled uh, the play before Nurkic got hurt? I did, yeah. Damari Carroll, which I thought should have been thrown out of the game. I mean, he had the elbow to Nurkic, and then he had that random leg kick. Uh, One, maybe a coincidence. Two, he's getting reckless. That whole game was reckless. In, in my honest opinion, I thought the officiating was downright awful, inconsistent. And Brooklyn, especially when they went small, started getting really scrappy. And mm-hmm. I think the officials did not put a, a stop to that. And I mean, but, thankfully, Dame, Dame is OK. But yeah, that's you know. what I was worried about a lot last uh, when I saw the game. Um I mean, if it was Coach Sage out there, I would definitely keep uh, Cantor in his bench position. And then, like, you got to look at if it's a big bruiser, you you put Myers in. If it's let's look Willie Cauley Stein, I feel pretty all right with Zach playing. 
uh, bigger minutes. I think it's all about the matchups for us now. We're just a matchup team for our centers because you could you couldn't you couldn't expect Myers to play Willie Cauley Stein and be anywhere close to being usable just because of the athleticism of WCS. So I, I think it's gonna, I think Terry's gonna have to look at the matchups and be dictate who gets more minutes by like the the roster available or the, that's going against him. And quite frankly, it's it's now or never for, for Zach. He had a really great start to the season. I remember back to opening night, his trail blocks in the third quarter really ignited that run. Everyone's going to remember Stauskas. But defensively, it was Zach Collins' ability to defend the pick and roll and come from behind and swat a lot of Rondo's layups, Lonzo Ball's layups, and ignite that fast break. And he really played up to that level until it, was, it feels like his 21st birthday was like the cutoff point. And he's really been not the same player. He's had a couple of memorable moments. The the block against Golden State. He had a block against um, Indiana. I mean, he really got into Golden State's head. But for the most part, his sophomore season has been pretty damn forgettable. Now he has time to kind of write that ship and write his own narrative because he's going to get all the playing time in the world. Mm. And frankly, he is now our best defender at, at on the post. Shit, so he we, might be the best def- defender, period. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is a, that is a very valid point. He might be our best defender. So, if I'm Zach Collins, he needs to be ready. Like, he needs to understand this is going to be um, showtime, and he cannot commit silly fucking fouls. Like, that is my biggest concern: is Zach Collins becoming a foul monster because he has shown tendencies to do that over the course of his first two seasons in the league. What do you think if he comes out and is poor? What are you thinking about for his? Does he that comes a, out what? if he become if he plays poor? Does that affect the narrative or your belief that he can be a good NBA player? Absolutely. I mean, it, you can tell a lot by a player when they play when you're when their best is needed the most. Mm. I mean, Damian Lillard is prime example. When the game is on the line, you can depend on him. You know he's going to come through. There's guys who can score in garbage time, like no pressure. But when the pressure's on, how do you perform? Like we, it, it, if you want to, you know, get, get cliche and say next man up and, and all of that rah rah bullshit, then it really has to be. And, and Zach Collins is is that next man, and that's the player that everyone is expecting a lot from. Is it fair to ask of a 21 year old? who has been playing backup minutes his first two years? Probably not, but players from his draft class have shown growth. They've shown a lot of talent and potential in production. I mean, we're going to play, we're going to see a guy that we potentially could have drafted um, in Atlanta. Like there's that draft class is extremely good. And he's a victim of players that produce really well fast. And if, like if he doesn't produce as fast people are gonna think he's trash i personally will give him an extra year because he's young but this is where he needs to step up and i think he will step up because th- like there is no other option you're not gonna give scalabissier major minutes you're, it's it's a three-man rotation for the center and he needs to he needs to eat minutes and play really good defense for us because if we're relying on Cantor or myers to defend a pick and roll we're going to be fucked. Yeah, I hope Zach, I hope I know he'll be up to the challenge. I hope he's able to produce. I'm I'm less worried defensively. He he really has good instincts there. 
I need to see him offensively be strong with the ball, especially when he gets it down low, take his time, be patient in the post. And I, I wouldn't just ditch him in the summer if he has a poor playoff performance. One, his value will be low. Uh, but two, he he would still be a senior in, mm. in college next season. With that said, though, if he doesn't perform, then Neil O'Shane now needs to possibly look at other bigs in free agency. Because if Cantor leaves, or even if he stays, and you can't count on Zach Collins as as that primary big, it, Nurk's not going to be there for the majority of next season. We need some help for Dame. Like this whole franchise revolves around getting help for Dame. And it is even more of, of a certainty and of, an, of the highest importance right now. Everything, every decision should be, does this benefit Damian Lillard? That was legitimately what we're talking about now. Like Dame can sign and hit that major extension now or next year. He has the same thing with Anthony Davis, where they both are eligible for 35% of the cap. When he went down, I was like, fuck, what are we going to do with the center minutes to keep Dame around? Because my first thought was, well, Dame's signed. We could tank. No, we can't because he would be, he'll be a free agent next in two years. So we have a really unenviable problem where we have to compete without our second best player for the next year. So we have to cobble together something that's, respectable at that center position to get us to the playoffs just to convince Damian Lillard that this team is worth being on. Like this, this is, this is where if whoever's the GM of this team next year is earning their paycheck and building a team that can compete without use of Nurkic being use of Nurkic in this next season. It's- I mean, I, I think Dame's going to sign regardless his heart is in Portland. Um, Nurk will be back. Dame is a patient guy. He but it's been like eight years. What's that? It's been like eight years, though. Well, I mean, we'll do what we can get under the salary cap restrictions and try to find bargain basement fines. But, you know, at, at the same time, we still always play well when they doubt us. No, no, make no mistakes about it. No matter what happens in the postseason, they will still predict Portland will probably win like 39, 40 games, won't make the playoffs, and the Blazers will surprise everyone. Damian Lillard is that fucking good. He's that good of a leader. And to be quite honest, if we're we're looking for silver linings, I'm looking forward to him proving everyone wrong. Again, this team still has enough talent to win a first-round series. They still have enough talent to fiend off the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Spurs and the Clippers to keep that fourth seed or the third seed, whatever it is. I I still think they have enough talent. The schedule lines up nicely enough. They can get out of the first round and get home court advantage. Regardless, regardless of wins or losses, some nights you're just going to be outclassed, out-talented. That's going to happen. I just want to see this team be relentless. I want to see them compete, play for Nurk. The last thing I want to see as a fan is which would be reasonable for, for, for a normal human to, to go, go through and, and kind of uh, grieve in a sense. Like, we just lost our, one of our most important players. Like, shit's not happening for us this year. We're not winning at all. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to, again, channel this, 
put a chip on their shoulder and go out there and, and just compete. And as long as, again, as long as we have Damian Lillard, I'm not going to say he is of prime LeBron caliber, but he has a lot of LeBron tendencies and that he raises the talent level around him. Players just inevitably play better when Dame is, is on the floor. And what I will say is Dame is going to have to trust his teammates even more. I believe it was at the end of the first overtime where we had eight seconds left, had a chance to win the game. Ball kind of goes in the backcourt. They throw the double at him. Mo was wide open in the corner right where I was sitting. He just had to make a little dump pass. Mo would have had a great look at three. Does he knock it down? Who knows? But it was better than the look Dane got. And that's exactly what's going to happen every single possession of the playoffs. So, yes, a lot of it is on his teammates for making those shots. But Dame has to say, I trust you. Just like a great quarterback does when their receiver drops the ball. Hey, keep your head up. I'm coming right back to you again. Dame has to be that 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 same type of leader. We're talking about leadership. And I think a lot of this, these next 14, 17, however many games, we're going to see what type of coach Terry Stotts really is. Because he's had really good fortune with his injuries in the last four or five years. How does he motivate and inspire these guys to play hard every single minute? Like, is, is he the type of guy that does well when his team's perfectly healthy and they work on his things or work at his scheme? Or does, do, does he inspire his guys to fight, fight, fight? for these next 10 games for playoffs and then in playoffs. This is a big test for Terry Stotts as well. It is because I would argue the team did not respond well back in 2015 when West went down. Yeah. Uh, you could almost tell that they kind of mentally checked out. Um, the team, frankly, wasn't good enough to compete against Golden State two years ago when, when Nurk went down. And even in that game one, they fought. Damon CJ both had like 35 points or something crazy. And we almost knocked off the Warriors in game one. And they made that game competitive. The, the other ones, we just just did not have, frankly, enough talent against the soon-to-be champions of, of the league. So I really don't know. I mean, I think that's one reason to continue watch is mm. to see what type of coaching job Terry Stotts can do. Um, there's evidence to say that when the chips are down, he has a good job of motivating them. When you look back at that 15-16 team, when Vegas put us at like 26 wins and we damn near got 50 again and made it to the second round of the playoffs. I will say I don't think he's at the level of a Nate McMillan when in 2009-2010, same year that Oden went down, Chris Billa went down, Nate McMillan actually went down with his Achilles trying to play in practice because so many players kept getting hurt. Uh, Roy went out with an injury. I mean that team was shot, mm-hmm. still won 50 games and still pushed – the Phoenix Suns, who went to the Western Conference Finals that year, to six games. So I don't think he's Nate in that type of scrappiness, but there is evidence to suggest that Terry is going to rally the troops. And honestly, the season has been too good so far to just say, fuck it, nothing else matters. That would be the ultimate travesty because we're still on pace to win 52-54 wins, which would be the most since 2009 and 2014. Like, there are still attainable goals out there and it's really going to test the mental fortitude of this roster and coaching staff i i wouldn't i was going to bring up the scrappy player oh coach of monty williams but you got you know his coaching dad instead so well monty was on that staff. i know <laughs> that's why i call them his coaching dad those do you know, nate nate's been 
doing his thing with the Pacers. Built, he's just that scrappy coach that you know the flawed roster with a major injury, and they're still fighting in the playoffs, man. So let, we'll see if he uh, if Terry has that scrappiness in these next few games, and then in the playoffs, man. I mean, it really all comes down to a mindset. You mentioned the Indiana Pacers. There's should be no surprise that they're still winning, let alone compete. Like mm-hmm. they're doing more than competing. They're holding their own. They're fighting for home court advantage in a top-heavy Eastern Conference after losing Victor Oladipo midway through the season. Everyone in the NBA is talented. We we've discussed this. There's only what like 400 something jobs in the league. Teams that really go out there and bust their ass and give that extra effort. On, on some nights, that is enough to beat pure talent. Yep. yep. That's what the Blazers have to go back to. Is mm-hmm. we are not gonna, on paper, we are not better than X or Y or Z. But God damn it, we are going to scrap. We are going to fight. We're going to claw. We're going to die for every loose ball. And you know what? We're going to play with some confidence. And we're going to keep that going. We're going to get the crowd behind us. And all of a sudden, you start feeling good about yourself. You forget that you had a devastating injury. And now you kind of put that us against the world mentality and don't let that fool you. That mentality can take you a long ways. It's not enough to win the championships. No, no one is saying that, but it sure as shit is enough to get this team out of that first round. Do you change your prediction on any of the three games? No. I mean, re- realistically we saw the Chicago bulls. They're Trash. on a back to back tonight. They lost in Toronto. They started like, Archie Diakonu, Wayne Selden, and Shaq Harrison. Mm-hmm. Those that, that was their, their starting one, two, and three. Yep. Portland should slaughter this team. Chicago does not want to win. No. You look at Atlanta. They are a team that, that's not going to do a lot of prim, or interior scoring on the post. I mean, Trey Young is, is it's still... It's just a, rim runs. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. We should still beat the Hawks. Um, I still stand by my prediction that we're going to lose to the Pistons. Yeah, I'm so, changing my prediction of a win to a loss there. And, and realistically, looking at the standings, as long as so the the Spurs lost to the Celtics, which was was fantastic. Um, the Thunder lost to the Grizzlies. Portland now, if they can just get to 51 wins, so we're we're, we're looking. If I'm looking at the we're 46 and 27, that means we'd have to go five and four the rest of the way. We realistically just need the Clippers to lose once more, the Thunder to lose once more, and the Jazz to lose twice more. Four total losses over the course of the next 14 days. As long as the Blazers go five and four, they will have home court advantage in, in the first round. And we still have games against Chicago, Atlanta, Memphis, Sacramento. At the Lakers. I mean, there there are five winnable games on this schedule. Yeah. There's definitely winnable games. Uh, the only real predictions that I would change if, like, I was looking at this a few days ago and now, I would say we lose both Nugget games. And I think we would win every other. I, I, I see a, you know, I, it's tough, but I, I think we could win most of those games outside of the Nuggets. Don't don't count Portland out. I mean, this is this is the same team two years ago with Nurkic out needing a win to to lock in a playoff spot, and Dame drops fifty nine on the Utah Jazz. 
Like, we still have Damian Lillard. Everyone else does not. That holds weight. And what Portland could use to their advantage is the underestimated factor. I guarantee you, no matter what team plays Portland, they are going to go in there, maybe at least for a game, and they're going to say, we're just going to roll over this team because Nurk's not there. And who knows what CJ's status is. If Portland is mentally right, they can take a series from someone. A friend of the show, Long Story Longer, is making a quilt for Yusuf Nurkic. Um, if you want to help out and donate a large or extra large male shirts for her to knit into a quilt, you can send it to her P.O. box, which we will put in the show notes. And if you want to donate to the uh, quilt for Nurk, wow, that is difficult to say, we will put that in the show notes as well. Long Story Longer has been one of the OGest of OG Holy Backboard fans, and I think it's a really cool idea for us to uh, do anything we can to show Nurk that we care and uh, support the big man. I mean, there's a $250 goal. We're already at $215, $35 more. If you hear this and we're short and you got 5 bucks, 2 bucks left to spare, chip in. It's for a really good cause. Nurk has given us so many memories and has brought so much enjoyment to this fan base watching him play and watching the growth of him as basically the Bosnian beast coming to life. Uh, you know, chip in or you know pass it along if you don't have the funds. Um, he is just a fantastic guy and I think we're lucky to have him and this would go a long way in making him feel wanted and loved. And I think at a time like this in his life, those are the things that are going to get him up in the morning to do rehab. Those are the things that are going to continue to put him in a positive state of mind because when this happens to you, you feel like everything just sucks. And I can I can't even imagine being in his position an athlete at, at, at the highest level playing the best basketball of his career on a team that is basically playing the best that they've played in, in five or six seasons. And it, it all happens in, in the bat of an eye. So anything we can do to uplift his spirits, let him know that the Rip City is thinking of him, caring for him and just wishing him the best. Uh, you know, please donate. Please, please share the this this GoFundMe uh, it's just a little thing that we can do to, to show our appreciation for um, one of my personal favorite players on the team. And any excess funds of the goal will go to the Special Olympics, since we learned today that the U.S. Secretary of Education is recommending massive cuts to Special Olympics funding. Fuck Betsy DeVos. Yep. So uh, thank you for listening to kind of a bummer fest. You're a real one if you've got this far, but. uh we support our big man. We support use of Nurkic and just watch these games. The team just, needs you. There's just, stuff to yeah. watch. The the Blazer players need us more now than ever. It's easy to be a fan when shit's going great, but as all Blazer fans know, it doesn't go great a lot. So, you know, we should be used to this by now. So go out there, watch the team, come to the games, buy your playoff tickets if you can. Bring a noisemaker, bring whatever. Like the team needs you. I think the home court advantage will be more important than we ever could have uh, imagined. Because if this team is going to keep up their their great run, we're going to have to be there for them. And I know it sounds corny, but they really do feed off of our energy. And you know, through thick and thin, that's what being a Blazer fan 
is. And it, it's tough right now, but we will be back. Nurk will be back. Everything will be okay. We just have to be a little patient. I know it sucks, but sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Have you bought your playoff tickets yet? They have not gone on sale, but I... I but I will go to with you for every single Blazer game they play right here, right now, to show my support to use of Nurkic and the uh, the Blazers. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!